You're listening to the Mind Manual Podcast, Episode 23. If you want a particular result in your life, but you're unable to get it, tune in to start training your brain and expanding your emotional intelligence to unlock the most powerful and underutilized performance tool that we have. It's the most important work you could do because it affects every area of your life. Welcome back, everyone. Hope you've had a lovely week. In the last episode, we explored the process of how to feel our emotions through to completion by getting out of our mind and becoming the quiet, curious observer that is able to narrate the physical sensations of the energy itself as it moves and vibrates throughout the body. In this episode, we're going to dive deeper into the source of our emotional suffering and how we can overcome that to eliminate various layers of unnecessary suffering that we keep adding to whatever afflictive emotion we might be experiencing. One of the biggest illusions we seem to be trapped in is the belief that most of our suffering comes from outside of ourselves instead of within. So we'll usually go and attribute the circumstance, situation, person or event in being responsible for causing the pain or angst that we might feel, which places us at the effect of all these things. And for the most part, our external environment is going to be outside of our control. This is because it involves other people and other people get to do whatever they want and be whoever they wish. Surprisingly, we don't have control over any other adult out there. We might fool ourselves into thinking we do, but that relies on tactics such as manipulation, emotional blackmail or coercion. And that won't usually last for very long before they go and blow you off. No one likes to be controlled, not even our two-year-old toddlers. So as a sideline, if you're in a relationship that does rely on one or more of these methods, you're in for some heartache when that hurricane comes to blow you up against your fortress of control. Whenever we try to keep others within our confines of what they must do and who they must be, it's only a matter of time before those walls are reduced to rubble. So if it's a given that we don't have control over others, but you remain ignorant of this fact and you continue with your charade in moving those chess pieces around the board to protect the king, you end up sacrificing all your pawns that are used in this game of strategy, attack and defence. You set your life up as this battle in a state of opposition. So there's a lot of unnecessary suffering that comes from the perceived enemy line. And if you don't free yourself from your fortress, soon enough it will turn into a prison. I know a few people that have set up their lives in this type of paradigm. And for those that are close by, looking on, it can also produce a lot of pain for them as well. I'll use my own experience where I've been the outside observer and have felt that pain, particularly when you come up against one of their lines of attack or defence. So I've gone in to analyse where that might be coming from. 
Now, I know intellectually that it's not coming from them, despite the obvious conflict that has presented, because a feeling can only ever be created by our own thoughts. People don't really do anything wrong by us, and I know that sounds crazy, but the actions of others really has nothing to do with us. What they do is merely a reflection of where they're at in their own mind, in their own conditioned life, and all their confusion around that. So I went about to study it, to find the source of my own suffering in relation to this scenario. There I was, feeling frustrated in thinking the other person was broken and needed to be fixed. Give me a problem to fix, and I'm like a dog with a bone. Depending on what it is, I will jump into research mode and scour that web until I have all the dots lined up that I need to connect in order to solve the puzzle. In previous times gone by, I would also go and push that wheelbarrow up that hill, however heavy it was. I was determined to carry the load so I could take them to the place where they could finally see the land of opportunity. Thankfully, I have finally given up, hitting my head against that wall after realising that it just doesn't work that way. So what I discovered was that I was standing there in judgment, in thinking she shouldn't be inside her fortress, but that she should be over here instead, which only filled me with disappointment and disapproval. This pain of comparison in thinking that things should be different than they are and comparing it to how they could be, or better still, how they should be, this was a layer of suffering that I was creating for me, not her. It did nothing to change her mindset. It was only disturbing my own. So when we stand in resistance of what is, and we don't allow people to be wherever they find themselves in life, we only create these negative states in ourselves. The frustration and disappointment I was feeling was only being felt by me, not her. It was me thinking she was broken and needed fixing. She was obviously not thinking that way. It was me that was in full resistance to the way she showed up, which was based on her learned condition perspective of the world. She was just doing her thing according to all the filters she was seeing life through. She did not create this experience for me. It was my own internal experience of resistance, frustration and disappointment that I was creating with my thoughts, which was making me feel this way. So as I was trying to unpack the awful way I was feeling about this situation, this was the first thing I uncovered. The real source of my suffering was in comparing the situational circumstance to how it should be or could be and being in resistance to what is. The old compare and despair routine. Could have, would have, should have. They're all just words that are dressed up in resistance. When we're thinking it should be different than how it is, who is really suffering? 
the person you're directing the anger and frustration to or the person who is feeling the anger and frustration. The Buddhist philosophy identifies three types of suffering, the suffering of change, the suffering of conditioning, and the suffering of suffering. So I guess the compare and despair of wanting things to be different than they are is a version of the resistance we feel that causes the suffering of change, whether that be from wanting to change the things we cannot control or not wanting the change that is forced upon us. Then we have the suffering of the person who is sitting in their fortress or prison. I would say that is a version of the suffering of conditioning. We are all a product of our conditioning from our early childhood years by default. And if we never shatter that illusion and break through the beliefs we have inherited and acquired, then we are all in a prison of sorts, depriving ourselves of the true freedom available to us when we can see through our own self-imposed limitations and illusions that we unknowingly create for ourselves. What I came to understand is that my efforts in trying to fix or push that wheelbarrow up the hill were totally futile if they don't have the element of desire, the desire for it to be any different than the way it is, and the belief that it could be different. We need to want to step outside of our own suffering for change to be possible. Desire is the precursor to intention, and belief is the precursor needed to initiate any action. We need to have a desire in wanting to intend any change, and we need to believe that it's possible to change. This then fuels us into taking action to find all the ways that will lead us in creating that change. Without that desire, there is nothing to work with. It is the impetus needed for a willingness to experience change. Whatever that change is, a change in the way you want to feel, a change in the way you process input, a change in the way you want to show up, a change in the results you have in your life. Change begets change and desire and belief are the seeds from which action will sprout to put everything else into motion. The place where people get stuck is in believing the only change that is possible here is to change the situation or circumstance. And since that is usually outside of anyone's control, especially when it involves other people, then they don't think that change is possible because the only way they know how is by changing the external circumstance. They attribute everything and everyone outside of themselves as having all the power and control over the way they feel, which goes around full circle in coming back to the illusion I discussed at the beginning where we believe that our suffering comes from outside of ourselves. So while ever we subscribe to this theory, we're also subscribing to these external factors as being responsible for the way that we feel which would have to include the full spectrum of all emotions that are available to us. This is the emotional childhood conditioning we were led to believe 
that others are responsible for the way we feel. There hasn't been that line in the sand where we had anyone promoting emotional adulthood to us, where we adopted the belief one day in a flash of sudden insight where we started to take full responsibility for every emotion we felt. That never happened. And if you've listened to my previous episodes where I talk about how feelings are created, you will have come to learn how we are the only ones who ever has any control over that. So if you don't feel the desire or have the belief that things could be any different than the way they are now, because you're still living in the illusion that you need to change the actual situation or circumstance to solve for the way you feel, then all of this is great news because the only thing you have to do now is to go and shatter that illusion so that you can start to apply this work. And if it's someone you know who doesn't have the desire to be any different than the way they keep showing up, there really isn't much to work with there. You can't grow the plant or person without that seed of desire. They're not broken, they don't need fixing, and there is a reason why they're staying where they are. We aren't necessarily aware of the lessons they need to learn before they can evolve to that next step. This evolutionary path has been in existence for all of eternity, and it isn't in a rush. We are. And perhaps if they're not willing and not desiring to enter that classroom at this point in time, then it's impossible to defy the natural order of how it will inevitably unfold for them. The seed will only germinate in the right conditions. And if they're not interested in changing their own conditioning, then you don't have anything to work with there. And we are left to trust in the process of life. So when we stand in judgment, in thinking they should be somewhere else other than where they are, we're also judging this process of life, of which we really know nothing about. This ignorance will be another source of suffering from us. It's what the Buddhists refer to as a fundamental confusion in not understanding the causal processes and conditions that have led to a particular state. I don't think we necessarily need to know specifically what those causal factors are. The mere fact that we know they exist through the law of cause and effect is enough to understand that those forces are real and beyond our awareness. It's then a matter of trusting that these processes will always unfold as they should and as they are needed before the next evolution can take place. This approach brings with it a level of acceptance in allowing the natural laws of life to unfold and expand us. Just as the universe continues to expand, no matter how much we go and fight and resist what is, we're just lining ourselves up to be at its effect. This is how we create the cause of our own suffering, the suffering of suffering, as the Buddhists refer to, relates to these extra layers of suffering that we go and add on to life's inherent conditions of suffering. Life will do what it always does. How we go and experience that is then entirely up to us. 
So it really is of our own choosing, which is so hard for many of us to hear, including myself sometimes, particularly when I'm in the grip of wishing so hard that it could be different than it is, that my little boy could be happy and healthy again. But at the same time, it really is liberating if we can at least desire to want to feel different than the way that we do or to experience something in a very different way to how we are currently processing it. This is what places us back in control in choosing how we want to experience something when that something may well be completely out of our control. Another source of suffering I identified in this analysis is the rejection and loss of connection and love that we feel when the other person is rejecting any help or any other perspective that we might try to offer. I was taking it to mean that she was rejecting me, which translated into withdrawing my love for her. When we withdraw our love, we end up withdrawing ourselves from the experience of feeling love and connection. It has no effect on the other person. We are the ones who experience that pain because we go and deny ourselves from the loving thoughts that create the feeling of love that we experience in our internal world. Now, this conversation could easily segue into loving people that are difficult to love. We are told to love thy enemy. How I translate that is in loving the trial, allowing it to teach us what we haven't yet figured out and transform that into something great, which is to triumph from that trial. If we are here to grow and evolve, which I believe to be the case, then it becomes easier to see why we must love thy enemy because it can provide us with the greatest opportunity for growth. The other bonus is that when we love our enemy, then we are the ones to experience that feeling of love instead of hate and anger or vengeance and torment. When we feel love for our enemy, that love doesn't magically go and jump onto them. It's a feeling we've generated within ourselves. We are therefore the one who benefits from that love. Another example of the suffering of suffering that the Buddhists refer to is the fear we overlay on experiencing negative emotions. It creates a lot of unnecessary pain and limitation in our life. The good news is we can disassociate from that experience of fear to observe and process the underlying negative emotion which I taught in the previous episode of how to feel so you can stop avoiding your life. The evolutionary history of fear and pain has taught us how it played a vital role in keeping us alive. In the caveman days when we had the big hunt going on, both in terms of being the hunter and in being hunted ourselves, it was very helpful to be constantly assessing for threat and danger. Pain meant that you would probably die. With no antibiotics or surgery, pain showed us how it was the precursor to any condition that would rely on these life-saving measures. In those days, the average lifespan was only 20 to 25 years. That threat of pain 
was very real. But in today's times, we no longer need to rely on the fear of experiencing pain. So we don't need to use it as a precursory emotion to move away from whatever that threat is in order to survive. I mean, it will still be helpful if you're walking out onto the road and you fear getting in the way of a car. But for the most part, we now need to do the opposite of it in order to survive. We need to move towards pain and discomfort in order to be healthy instead of avoiding and escaping discomfort of negative emotions. We are constantly moving away from emotional pain and towards the pleasure that we get from food, alcohol, drugs, social media. It's the hangover we're left to deal with from our primal conditioning. And now it's killing us instead of protecting us. Can you imagine what your life would look like if you weren't afraid to feel any emotion? Think about what holds you back from pursuing your dreams or putting yourself out there in any way. It's the pain you will feel if you fail. The pain of humiliation and defeat if it doesn't work out. The fear of what others might think when you're out there in the public arena doing whatever is required to test and trial your way there and find the path. You know, overcoming the belief that you can't do something because it keeps you safe and comfortable in the knowledge that you don't have to risk anything. The fear of experiencing a negative emotion or the suffering of suffering, I think, is the biggest thing that holds us back from creating a life we love. This is one of the biggest things to overcome in pursuing our dreams. We get scared and uncomfortable, so we quit, and it gives us some relief. We stay quitted for a while, and then we go into despair, so we commit again. That makes us feel better for a bit till it starts to feel uncomfortable again so we quit again and we do this on rinse and repeat at times a hundred until we stay stuck on quit we don't know how to be with uncomfortable emotions we can't stand the discomfort of not achieving our dreams and we can't stand the discomfort of the journey to achieving our dreams and we just go back and forth, which is a terrible way to live your life. And then there are other people who are just so afraid to do most things, but they'll go and sabotage themselves by failing ahead of time so that they don't have to try. So they go and give up on themselves and quit at the first sign of an obstacle if they can't see a clear pathway there. This is one of the areas I coach on. So you can go forth confidently in testing and trialing and failing your way there until you succeed. Most often the defining difference between those that make it to their goal or dream and those that don't is whether they get up and try again and again and again until they find a way that works. They learn how to stay present with the fear and not switch the discomfort for the relief in quitting or the pleasure hit they get from food or alcohol or social media or Netflix when we use these things as a substitute for feeling and working through our fears, it robs us of our lives and leaves us left to deal with the back-end consequences 
of being overweight or hungover or withdrawing and disconnecting from real and meaningful relationships. Fear is protective when needed and harmless when it's not, only if you allow it and process it through. It's extremely harmful when you spend a life avoiding it and resisting it. So what are the things you are most afraid of? And if you weren't afraid, what would you be doing now? What would you be creating? What if you weren't afraid of failing? How would your life be different? The worst that could happen is an emotion. What if you weren't afraid of feeling those emotions? This is a game changer. All that fear means now is that you are a human being. That's how we evolved. It's no longer protecting you for the most part of our everyday life. It's a normal, natural emotion to have from where we've come from. Embrace it. Let it be part of your experience, but do not let it hold you back. Don't go and add another layer of suffering over this natural form of human suffering that came to us pre-installed in our lives. Instead, move into this original layer of suffering that we are all faced with that is part of the primal fear response and learn how to process it and then override it with our higher brain that has evolved on top of our primal brain. It really is the most groundbreaking work you can do with your mind. And if you'd like to delve deeper into this topic, I have a free worksheet for you to reflect on some questions about where you might be at and what's getting in your way. You can get access to this and a free coaching session on it by going over to themindmanual.com forward slash episode 23. I hope you've enjoyed listening all about fear and pain and suffering. Look forward to chatting with you again in the next episode. Goodbye. If you enjoy listening to these episodes and would like to take this work to a much deeper level where we take all of these tools and apply them in our daily lives, join me in my monthly coaching program where we move beyond all the ways we get stuck and hold ourselves back from creating a life we love. Go to themindmanual.com forward slash join. I'd love to see you there.